0: What's involved There is my special guest, I've wanted to talk to her for a while um, and I've only really got to see her a little while in uh, stop and go motion. We'll talk about that in a bit as well though, but my special guest, welcome to you Zola Nene. How are you?
1: I am so, so well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you and I'm excited that you've been excited to talk to me. <laughs>
0: Well, you know what? Um, I, I, as I uh, let's explain. Let's go right in, and, and then we'll find out a little bit more about Zola. Um, we did. Uh, we got invited, or I got invited, to the the virtual launch of uh, Gordon Ramsay Uncharted Season Two, um, and in it there was uh, a, a young lady by the name of Zola, um, and she was working with the Grumpy Brit, um, and I thought. <laughs> Well, number one, take my hat off to you for working with him and, you know, I'm wondering how bad that was. But number two, just the way that you put stuff together and, and, and I've been seeing and it's been popping up all over the places more and more of Zola Nene. So let's talk about Zola. Tell me a bit about your background and how you got into this whole chefing business.
1: Um, well, uh, yeah. Okay. So it's a bit of a long story, but I'm going to give you the, the condensed version or as condensed as I could make it. Um, I was born in KZN um, and my family actually moved to Georgia when I was six years old. So I actually did my schooling in, in Georgia. After school, I decided um, I wanted to be a lawyer because I was very talkative and very argumentative. So I thought perfect career choice. I studied law for, or become law for about two years. In my second year, I actually realized, hmm, actually, I I don't love this. And um, what kept bringing in my head is my dad saying, whatever you choose to do, make sure you love it because you do, you do it for more than half your life. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to let him know that actually I don't think I'm going to be a lawyer. And without hesitation, in the middle of my second year exams, my dad said, stop what you're doing. Don't do anything that makes you unhappy for longer than you have to. Come home and let's discuss what actually makes you happy. So... I went home and we had a discussion. My dad asked me, what makes you happy without you even thinking about it? When you're doing it, you're just so happy. And I said, I love to cook. And he was like, okay, well, let's explore that. And I guess that's where uh, my, my chefing career started uh, before I was qualified. Um, so he, he sent me off to the UK. Back then you could, you could do a, a two-year working holiday visa just to explore and to work in kitchens and to see if I actually enjoyed it. So I worked at a brasserie in, um, in the UK in Cheshire uh, for two years, worked my way up. I started peeling carrots, peeling potatoes, doing all the mundane work. But I did it with such enthusiasm that they sort of found confidence to give me bigger jobs and bigger roles. And I worked my way up. And by the time I left there two years later, I was the head of pastry, pastry section. Um, then I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I want to do. I love being in the kitchen. I love to cook. So I wanted to study. And the reason why I wanted to study, even though it's like a, it's a practical, um, career choice because you know what what, your practical knowledge is more important than your actual um, book knowledge I knew that it was like a male dominated industry Um, so I knew that I wanted to have the qualification so that whatever kitchen I walked into that was headed by a male chef no matter what he thought of me as a female wanting to do this he had to call me chef so I, I wanted to have that respect and that foot in the door before I even you know walked in the door um, so I came home, I studied, uh, culinary arts at the Institute of Culinary Arts in Stellenbosch. i studied for three years. I specialized in food media, which is how I sort of got into the TV sphere, the food styling sphere of, of the, the um, the industry. Um, I then worked at catering after studying. I worked at Top Billing Magazine back then. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much how they how I got to know the producers of Expresso, which was my very first TV gig. Um, Yeah, and I wasn't actually actually intending to be on TV at Expresso. Um, The producer sort of saw something in me and she was like, you have to go on screen. And I was like, oh, okay, that's not what I signed up for, but fine. And yeah, I I didn't go on screen for uh, seven years. And I was uh, resident chef for Expresso for seven years. And then um, after that, I sort of Built my brand, started my own business, worked for myself, and the Gordon Ramsay Uncharted came along last year.
0: That is it, well. It it was a very quick summary. So sure, sure. thank you for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I did you, try to
1: condense it for you. <laughs> you've
0: you've what well, was very condensed because you've you've managed to fit a fair amount of living uh, in in your time, and and you and you gloss over a couple of things and. and Let's let's talk a little bit about um you know you came back from uh, from the UK and you got to work when you got back in early 2007 you got to work with some great chefs in this country as well didn't you
1: Absolutely yes I got to work with the likes of Marco Janser, who um at the time when I was uh, when I met her and I was working with her and actually today she's still a really good big part of my life and a really great mentor um back then she was one of the only um, female chefs in the industry. And she was number one. Her restaurant was number one. The Cartier Francais in um, Franchook was actually number one. Um, And yeah, I got to meet her during that time and work under her um, and just what, what an ass, you know, what an incredible woman to, to have, to have the opportunity to have worked with at such an early part of my career. I also got to work with um, Chris Erasmus, who's also an amazing food genius and he taught me so so many things also still a really big mentor of mine today um yeah I've got, i mean in my career i've now gotten to work with dora sitole who is i mean the mother of uh, south african cooking if you ask me um and yeah i get to call her not only a friend but um you ER, are just such an inspiration as well. So I've have I've have i have i have had oh, I can't even speak now. I've had <laughs> the opportunity um, to work with so many local amazing amazing chefs, and I'm so grateful.
0: You know what? I've, I've I I love food, and I well, if you if you were to see me, it would be obvious that I love food. But I love things food related <laughs> as well. Um, and you know, I'm I'm just impressed because it seems to me. That just over the last little while, South Africa is coming into its own in terms mm. of our cuisine, in terms of our chefs and the people. Am I correct or, or not?
1: No, absolutely. You are so correct. Um, the fact that, you know, the African narrative is such a, a prevalent topic right now in the world, I think that it has also played a part in giving South Africans Um, the confidence to speak so confidently about our food and what we're about and how diverse we are and actually wear it as like a a badge of honor instead of trying to pinpoint I think that the problem was that we were always trying to pinpoint our cuisine as one thing and how can it be when you know the country is so eclectic and diverse and consists of so many different types of people and cultures etc so now we're just embracing the fact that we are so colorful and Um, finally the world is listening and actually going oh actually it is cool it's cool that you guys are so different and that um, yeah within your own circle you're so different and I love that I love that you know more chefs are Uh, drawing on local inspiration I mean myself I've always cooked from a point of nostalgia and um, referenced the type of food that my grandmother and my my mom taught me how to cook um, and using you know indigenous ingredients but using them in different ways and maybe reimagining them for people so I think that it's really cool it's really cool that South African food is actually finally in the spotlight and I think that the spotlight's only going to grow
0: I agree with you, and you know what I find so amazing about about food and it 's always struck me particularly in terms of of the South African context, is food brings people together, and if Absolutely. anything, if anything, in this country of ours, we need to bring people together because you know there 's just there 's so much you know there 's such a big divide between people, but yet if we get to sit down around a bra, you know, a little bit Mm. of, uh, let me, let me, let me exercise my, my Rosebank uh, accent, Uh, a a little bit of Chisanyama, that didn't sound very (laughs) Rosebank, he did it, Um, but you know what I'm saying, you know, with, with, with different people and experience different foods, I've, I've been fortunate enough that I've, I've, I've experienced quite a few different foods and Specifically amongst the, the the sort of African flavours, there's some some of the foods that I absolutely love, and others I'm like no 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 no. Um, but <laughs> you have to try everything, don't you?
1: Um, I, I don't know about everything, because. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> but I think that you should <laughs> you should give stuff um, a try, and I agree with you because. I think that the reason why I love food is because it is such a unifier. It's such a, a connector a, a between people, between cultures, between um, countries. Um, and actually through food, you kind of realize how um, how much we have in common more than we don't. Because even though, you know, different dishes are interpreted very differently depending on your culture and your background, um, some of the fundamental ingredients are very similar. So you might taste something that sounds very, foreign to you for example um a lot of people that came to the to the uh virtual cooking class like you did um to to launch uncharted made chakalaka for the very first time but Uh there's something about it that's still very familiar so you may not have tasted all of that in combination as a dish but you know tasting the curry flavor will probably trigger some something you know, from your childhood, some, some emotive place in you, um, you know, the, the baked beans in the dish will also trigger, you know what I mean? So I love yeah. how food is, is, is so recognizable in different ways by, by so many different people.
0: Listen, I must tell you, I mean, I've got very bad internet connection where I am. So, so when we were doing that virtual launch, um, I, I literally logged on and I, I only saw you in fits and starts. Um, oh, however, no. However... <laughs> Afterwards, we went, uh-uh, nope, we are going to do this chakalaka thing because I had never yes. made chakalaka in my life. And I'll tell you, it, it's fast, kind of moved right up on our menu. I mean, the other day, my, my fiancé went, I'm going to make chakalaka again. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Oh, I love it. Very I nice it. the first time. And literally, we had that as a little dish with, uh, with some ciabatta absolutely brilliant and, and we loved it and I'm like thinking, you know, we spend so much time going, I don't know what that is what's takalaka, it doesn't sound like, mm. like it could be cool, it's like acha as well, you know, you kind of go, I uh, don't know hey, who wants to yeah. give us bits of green mango and, and I don't know and then you have it and it's, <laughs> actually, it's actually not bad at all um, but exactly. you've, been, you've been very modest about things so far so I tell you what, Chef Zolanene when we come back um, let's talk a little bit more about you and the things that you've done because you glossed over the espresso uh, morning show that you were on. Uh, I want to talk about that because that is a nightmare time to get up and work. (laughs) I know I've been there. Um, So we'll talk about that when we come back. It is what's involved. My special guest is Zola Nene back with you in just a bit. And we're back. What's involved? It is Zola Nene joining us as we talk. All things food-related. And, and sitting here chatting to you again, I'm like, oh, we should have cooked something again. But anyway, talk to me about, about a special Because you seem to me, when, when, when I was at the virtual uh, uh, launch, you guys, and you were taking the questions and everything, you're very comfortable behind the camera.
1: Um, I I am yes I am now and that is down to uh, my experience on Expresso. I mean it is a live morning show and yes like you mentioned the the early mornings were really really tough, <laughs> um, especially in the beginning when the show was you know would start at five a.m. and I'd be up by three a.m. and I was the only person on the food department. I was cooking. I was you know, shopping, I was doing, doing it all. But thankfully over the years, it got divided amongst, you know, more people, but yeah, you know, I, I, you know, patient Stevens was the one who sort of saw me one day because actually, let me just start at the beginning. When I joined expresso, I was intending to be food stylist sort of behind the scenes. So, um, you know, organizing the chefs, the content, writing recipes, um, arranging for you know guest chef to come on the show and cook their stuff and I was sort of you know prepped behind the scenes all that stuff right and then yeah. one day in one of the meetings patient Stevens sort of looked at me across the table and she was like you I need you to be on air and I was like uh no that's not what I signed up for because you know argumentative me just couldn't say yes <laughs> couldn't say yes <laughs> and <laughs> I think we sort of um, argued back and forth about it um, for about a month. And I just refused. I was like, no, that's not what I signed up to do. I've never done TV before. It was never my intention. Anyway, so I got tired of arguing. I was like, you know what, fine. I'm just going to prove you wrong. I'll do one show and then it'll be awful. And then, you know, we'll we'll move on from this this moment. And I did that one show and I never got off air for seven years. So clearly she she, she is known to have like a um, an eye for spotting talent. I mean, all the top billing, Michael Mole, Basetana, Ursula, all of them, Jeannie, Janenas, all of them were spotted or found by Patience Stevens herself. So she clearly has a knack for <laughs> for, for, for spotting out talent. So um, yeah, so I did live television for seven years. And I guess that sort of yeah, put me in um, a comfort zone and it, it brought out something in me that I obviously didn't know that I had, but I've always loved to, to sort of share knowledge and using food as a medium is a no brainer because it's what I'm, you know, I'm happiest doing. So, you know, combining the two has been so amazing. And um, yeah, I appreciate the compliments of you saying that I, I look very comfortable behind the camera. Yeah, I like to think that I, I am. I, well, I would like to think so by now. i have been doing it for, <laughs> for a really long time.
0: Well you, you most certainly are. I mean I often I often joke and, and say I have a, a, a face for radio and a voice for print media, but if you put a camera anywhere near me, <laughs> I fall apart. I abs- I turn into an absolute blithering idiot. I'll talk to I'll no, talk to I you, I'll to talk to that. I'll talk to five people, I'll talk to ten thousand people, no problem. Put a camera in my face. Done. Finished, game over. The weirdest thing. Weirdest weirdest things. Tell me, because we're not going to go into detail, but there were a couple of interesting uh, things that happened during uh, your time at Espresso because live TV doesn't really give you much room for mistakes and errors, does it?
1: Uh, no, because, <laughs> yeah, because it, is, it is live. And I guess, actually, I, I think that that's an advantage. I think people always think, oh, no, you know, the dreaded live television. If I say anything terrible, it's, you know, I can never forget it again. And the joy actually of live television is that you can't overthink things because once it's over, you're moving on to the next and you, you keep rolling on. So it sort of, it gives your, your personality a chance to sort of shine through because you're not bombarded by oh wait i can do it again or or stop you know you know when you're when you're doing pre-records you you seem to make more mistakes because you're very aware that you have another chance i think that live television keeps you on your toes and keeps your mind moving you know at a really rapid rate which is which is really great but to say that yeah we've all had our on on air blunders uh, many of them i actually you know i probably had so many over the seven years i can't even remember all of them, <laughs> all of them <laughs> or maybe my, i've just subconsciously blocked them out
0: <laughs> yeah but you know what it's the kind of thing that i suppose you learn after a while you you got to kind of embrace your mistakes and your imperfections and go yep that was it that happened
1: Absolutely, and, and everyone's human, and I think that the people watching are very aware that it's live television, so they, too, become a little bit more relaxed about receiving the, the, the content in, and the small errors that they, they witness, so it's all good.
0: <laughs> and I've done a lot of uh, early morning radio stuff, so, so also very, very early mornings. How did you, how did you maintain with that? Because we, have you ever been late?
1: Late? Uh, uh, late, no but I was exhausted for at least the first three years. I was completely exhausted because no matter how long you, you waking up at three, at three o'clock for your body fights it all the time. People think that you get into a routine and you get, you know, your body clock adjusts. No, because um, I mean, chemically your brain and your body is doing things at that hour that require you to be asleep. So, you know, inherently you're fighting yourself the whole time. Um, so I was never late, but I, I remember at you know at the very beginning, I was still living in stellenbosch and driving through at about three in the morning. And some days I think that I was on such um, autopilot that I actually wouldn't remember going to sleep, waking up and getting to the studio. And only at about 11 o'clock, I would, I would sort of pop into, oh my gosh, I've been working for the past five hours. It was like that feeling, which is, very unsettling, but um, I guess it's it's survival mode, and it's it's hard. You know, it's hard um, a, as you know to to be awake and to be functional at the, at that hour. But you know, mm. someone's got to do it.
0: Yeah, and we often we often talk. I mean, people know that you know a, a, a chef's life is is not for the faint-hearted because it is. It's incredible amounts of work. It's an incredibly long day, depending if you if you're mm. running a restaurant or or how things work like that. But now. Mm. I have to ask, I'm trying not to ask, but I have to. Um, you were very polite. How was working with, with, with Gordon? Is he, is he as grumpy and mean <laughs> as everybody says he is? <laughs>
1: That is the the number one question that everyone has on their lips. (laughs) Well, I am very excited to report and continue to report that I met a very pleasant, pleasant, personable, engaging Gordon Ramsay. I did not. I was expecting, just like everyone else, to meet the Hell's Kitchen version. Who yeah. uh, you know would swear at me, swear at me on sight, and um, you know I can get feisty with the rest of them, so I was ready and prepared to to you know to latch <laughs> out in the way that <laughs> in the way that I um yeah took it, but no he was he was a happy medium between Hell's Kitchen Gordon and MasterChef Junior Gordon. So MasterChef Junior Gordon is very fluffy, polite, laughy, and just you know jovial with the kids, and Hell's Kitchen we all know is a tyrant. I met. A happy medium who, you know, he still saw every now and then, but he was also equally very happy. And I think that Uncharted brings out that side of him just because he's so used to being um, in charge of a kitchen and, you know, people coming into his kitchen and learning from him. So he has that authority role. Whereas on Uncharted, he's going into places that he knows nothing about. And, you know, the chefs that he meets up with are his lifeline. And it's, it's, you know, he's a student. He becomes the student and he has to learn. And I must say, he takes it on like such a champion. I mean, that man is, first of all, very, very talented in what he does in terms of cooking. But his TV presence is also just I was in awe, just watching. He's like a one-take wonder. It's incredible to watch. But, yeah, he was lovely. He was lovely. I hate to disappoint everyone and, tell, and not tell you that he was, a, you know, a swearing machine throwing things, but he really wasn't. He was lovely.
0: Wonderful. no. no I mean, he's, he's obviously he's been here before. Um, there's times that he was here, yes. it's publicized. There's times and it hasn't been publicized. But in terms of the food, because that's what, that's what the show basically is about, when he goes to all of these different countries, now we're kicking off when when Uncharted starts with with you and Gordon. So, what did you cook, and 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 how did he react to some of the more traditional food?
1: So, um, uh, I guess South Africa, in comparison to if you look at season, some of the things that he experienced there is actually pretty pretty tame pretty tame in terms of um, the food that we eat and stuff. It wouldn't have been anything. Well, there would have some stuff that he'd never never seen before, but um, it wasn't like you know, it's sort of an Asian country where you're eating snakes type of thing. Um, uh, well, yeah, so so the menu um, that we created together obviously was influenced by what all the things that you've learned. I am Zulu, and obviously we wanted to teach him a bit about Zulu cuisine and about KZN and the fusion of Indian cuisine as well as, you know, as the province. But also we were cooking ultimately for a chief, a really prominent chief in KZN. So that was the ultimate goal. And the goal was to make sure that he enjoyed the meal that we presented to him. So he influenced the dishes that we chose in the inn because the chief loves fish. So we knew, okay, fish must be on the menu. He loves meat. He loves, you know, some traditional um, Zulu food. So that's how sort of the backbone of the menu was formed. Then Gordon went out and learned certain things. He, He tasted bele bele. He tasted all sorts of different, different things. Yeah, so he came back and said, "Okay, so he's going to take care of the, the main protein, and he's going to do this to the fish, and he's going to do this to the." And then I um, sort of uh, created the accompanying dishes. So I made ujeka, uh, which is you know z- Zulu dombolo, or I, I guess okay, okay dombolo in Zulu, we call whatever you put on top of stew. But ujeka is steamed bread. Um, of course, we made chakalaka because I wanted to to also you know bring in as lo- as much as we were talking about KZN and Zulu food. Um, I wanted to also bring in a piece of like South Africa as a whole. And I think Chakalaka encompasses that. Yeah, we made uh, uh, pap, of course. I think you can't cook outside and have a braai without a bit of pap. Uh, yeah, so we made a delicious, I, th- I think, a delicious, delicious meal.
0: Look, it, it certainly looks like uh, you guys had a, a bunch of fun. And as you talked about, about making papna, I suddenly thought, you know what, that is such a, such a, a it's not just a south african thing it's an it's an african thing but for Ooh. me for me you know pop pop and 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 sheba because i spent a lot of time in 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 the uh, impumalanga lowfeld so we used to call it shiba. Mm. so the the tomato and onion gravy that's just oh man comfort food of note listen when we come Absolutely. back though when we come back you have, mm. have done a whole bunch of stuff so i want to talk more about that and your cookbooks uh, my special guest is Zola Nene it is what's involved we'll be back in just a bit and we're back what's involved It is my guest is Zola Nene now before uh we 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 had a brief break there Zola the one thing that that you've mentioned that has struck me is is in terms of food and and what is considered african food or south african food you're, you you seem to have quite a, a wide uh a wide sort of taste and and, and experience. You mentioned the steamed bread or the, the, uh, uh, I suppose the the literal translation is is dumplings. Because uh, to me, that's something that I grew up with, is stew and dumplings.
1: Mm. Yeah, so um, for us, as, um, you know, in Isis Zulu, is steamed bread. So it's, you know, you steam it, by itself in a pot but yeah. dombolo, like in iskosa or sutu is considered also steamed bread but for us dombolo is on top of stew like you said like a dumpling on top of stew yeah and it's something that a lot of people find, you know use as comfort food in different in different um degrees so some people have yeast dumplings some people don't you know do um uh, like, what is it, quick, quick bread dumplings. So some people, you know, uh, sweet dumplings is a thing. Um, yeah, so it is. It's one of those comfort foods that we can all sort of relate to, in know, in, in, yeah, in all different, c- certain ways.
0: Now, because you're not busy enough and you weren't busy enough, um, <laughs> you, you decided that you're going to do this whole cookbook thing. So, and and you didn't just do one. um and I think that's, I've got to tell you, because I know a little bit about people and writing books and stuff like that. And, and particularly, if you think about cookbooks, um, it can't be easy. And, and you've gone out and done a couple. Talk to me about that, because you've won awards and all sorts of things.
1: I have, and I'm really, I'm really proud of my cookbooks because they are, they feel like a piece of me. And I think of, um, books in general and my cookbooks as like forever projects. So, um, l- long after I'm gone, there's going to be, you know, some family who's passed my book down and, you know, the recipes in there that I hold dear to my heart become, um, you know, family traditional recipes for them so that's such, such a such an honor i think it's such an honor for people when people buy my book and when people um, have such positive feedback about the book and then just to win awards for something um yeah that's so close to my heart so yes i have two cookbooks the first one is called um, simply delicious the second one is called simply zola so you, you'll notice simply occurs in both the titles because um my food philosophy is about simple um, not unintimidating, attainable food um, that everyone can enjoy, and um, you know that's that's really easy to prepare and just delicious. So that's what that's the type of food that I, I, I share. Yeah. So creating books is a very very difficult thing. Not only to just sort of narrow down the recipes you're going to put in the book, because you know I'm a chef and um, I cook every single day. I'm constantly cooking and creating recipes. So to narrow down. Uh, which ones to include and which ones not is sometimes difficult. But the way that I've gotten around that is to pick recipes that actually have a story behind them. So there's always a reason why that recipe is in, is in the book. And the first book sort of starts um, where I, from the type of food that I grew up eating, so this type of food that my mom made and my grandmother made and the recipes that they taught me and it sort of progresses through my my life so to during the time that I went to England and I was learning different techniques, then into my professional chefing um, career where I was you know qualifying as a chef and working in um, five-star restaurants type of thing then also travel is a really big influence in my food career I always 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 travel first of all to eat and secondly I always make sure wherever I go I link up with a local chef or local foodie of some sort and I actually learn a skill like a cooking skill so so when I went to Beijing for example I made sure that I learned how to make noodles from scratch and I learned how to make Uh, Chinese dumplings from scratch and when I was in Thailand I made sure that I went to a cooking class and learned how to make Thai green curry paste and som tam from scratch so that I could share um, the skills and the knowledge that I that I learned and also to upskill myself because I think that you know constantly learning and evolving is, is an advantageous thing so yeah so my books just chronicle my food journey and um, i love that my food journey is ever changing and ever evolving so that there's always going to be something to share yeah and i'm so proud that my um my publisher has always has never tried to dial down or um sensationalize my story they've always they've always just gone they're like okay well this is the story you want to tell absolutely tell it and they've never tried to make me alter it or change it in any way just to make it more commercial or whatever the, the, um, the reason would be. So yeah, I'm very, very proud of my, my books and yeah, just proud to have won awards for, like I say, uh, projects that I hold so dear and so close to my my heart.
0: Yeah. There was this little thing in 2019, I believe, uh, a little award you picked up, uh, something about the best in world, best in the world award.
1: Yes, so the Gourmand World Cookbook Awards are uh, basically like the Oscars of um, the cookbook world. Yes, yeah, so I went to China. Uh, we which, which part of China did I go to? Oh, I went to uh, oh gosh, uh, Hong Kong and to what is it? the island off of Hong Kong? I forget now. My brain won't work. Um, and yeah, <laughs> we had they had the <laughs> they had the they had the the award ceremony, and my book won. Uh, world best uh, by a celebrity chef in English, so which is absolutely
0: very, flipping amazing. So well I done agree. and congratulations! You should <laughs> you should be spouting that from the top of the highest buildings because a lot of people. And when I told some friends of mine, "Oh, I'm going to be chatting to 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 Zola," they were like, "Yeah, but we know who Zola Nene is, but um, you know, her cookbooks are, are kind of might not be." For us, you know, paler complexion people, and I'm like, what? <laughs> you have that no idea. That is absolutely idea. not
1: true. <laughs> absolutely and, and not true.
0: That's what I love um, about about your cooking and stuff, though, is that you there is this fusion. I can't say this is traditional African food that Jola is putting in a in a in a recipe book, or this is that. I mean, yeah, oh, maybe it's just me, and and you know, the fact that I love food so much, but I mean. You've got a recipe, um, I think it's on your website as well, for uh, oxtail and in, in some. That to me was always very much like an Afrikaans dish, you mm-hmm. know, oxtail. And, and yeah. yet it's now, it's crossing boundaries all over the place and it's very, very nice.
1: It's delicious. Yeah, please tell your friends that absolutely not. I I cook the food that I enjoy and that I eat. And I eat a very diverse, um, yeah, diverse uh, selection of of food of cuisines from all over the world and my books reflect that so yes parts of me are very traditional and draw from heritage but also i you know i cook chinese food i cook french food i have french you know training background in my you know my chef background so um it's it's not i think that my my what's great about my books if i may say so myself um is that there it, it is such a a mix of tastes and flavors so yeah, I don't eat just one type of thing all the time. And like you say, there are lots of things that may seem traditional, you know, to, to like you say, the Samp is, you, you say, is traditional to Afrikaans culture. But actually, no, we as Zulu people also love Samp. So maybe my version of Samp might be different to yours, but it'll, it'll, it'll appeal to you in some sort of way because, you know, you also have that connection with it. And yeah, tell them absolutely, they must, they must have a look. Have a look at the book and uh, at the books. And, and, yeah, then t- then see, then see if, it, if, if, um, if it leaves you out in any way.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think it's absolutely phenomenal. When we come back, uh, we're going to wrap up with Zola uh, and find out uh, what her next is. And then, uh, Zola, you might want to think about this because I'm going to ask you if there's anything you don't eat. All that, when we come back, <laughs> it is What's Involved. Great to have you along with us. And we're back, wrapping it up with my special guest, Zola Nene. So is there something you don't eat?
1: Um, Absolutely. There are lots of things I don't eat. Lots and lots of things I don't eat. I'm also human, um, (laughs) and I, I have my own preferences. I do not eat bananas. I do not like the taste, the texture, the smell. Um, I also don't. I don't. I don't eat chicken feet because um, my dad never ate them, so it wasn't something that you know we had at home. And also, I'm very afraid of toenails, so that kind of <laughs> freaks me out a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah, you see, this is
0: this is one of the things that concerns me as well. Okay, is that you you eat something <laughs> and then you can pick your teeth with the something you've just eaten. And it's just walk, walkie-talkies <laughs> just don't make too much sense to me. And yes, I have tried it. Yeah, and 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 I'm going I'm in the same boat as you here. The the other thing I don't eat is tongue because I refuse to eat something that can taste me
1: ah! <laughs> I mean that's a great theory that's a great theory yeah. Yeah. don't eat things that can taste you back um, tongue I don't mind so much for me it's just the peeling the preparation of the tongue I'd like to delegate that job that job can go to someone <laughs> uh,
0: fa- <laughs> favorite thing favorite thing to, to, to prepare Zola, what is your favorite if you were to make anything that you possibly that your heart could desire what is your favorite
1: Oh, it's so hard to pick a favorite because um, I'm just inherently greedy. But if I had to, you know, eat the same thing forevermore, it would definitely be my mom's lamb curry and coleslaw. I love, love, love coleslaw. I know it's very obscure and strange, but I do. I just, mm. I love it. The texture, the creaminess, the tanginess. I love it. I love
0: it. I, I've I've had, it's one of my favorites. And I've had so many varieties of coleslaw, which yes. is absolutely amazing. Zola, we've run out of time. Mm. What is next for Zola Nene?
1: Uh, next for me I've just um, launched my YouTube channel so that's very exciting people have been asking me for many many years to finally get on YouTube and I've finally done it Um, so that's really exciting Uh, my new website which is more functional and people can find my recipes really easily that is really great and what's next you know what I'm never going to stop sharing my food my um, recipes cooking tips and just yeah, sharing my my food knowledge with anyone who listens so lots more recipes and and delicious things to come for me. I've
0: got to tell you, that website is quite spectacular. I didn't realize that uh, it was a redone one. So nicely done, so nicely done. Is that Thank the best you. place, Thank if you. somebody wants to get hold of you, is that the best place to go?
1: Absolutely, yes, yeah. So um, my, yeah, all my contact details are on my website, as well as my, my management team, and they'll probably respond much faster than I will to emails. So, uh, yeah, that's the best way to get hold of me.
0: Wonderful stuff. It's Zola, Z-O-L-A, nene.com. You've got a store in there as well. You've got recipes. It's fantastic. Great, great website. And uh, yes, Zola, thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, taking the time out and having a chat to us. Uh, We do wish you all the best and uh, stay in touch. I'd love to find out what else you get up to.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for the time and thank you for the platform. You're amazing. Um, yeah, and thank you for just um, encouraging me to keep going because people like you who, you know, pay us compliments is is why we do this thing. So thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: Well, you've certainly had an impact and Chakalaka has become part of, of our household now. So uh, once again, thank you for that.